Hey everyone, welcome. Now, did Virginia certify the wrong numbers in 2020? Was it a clerical error? What is going on with our election data? Did Why did the Virginia Department of Elections silently correct that data without notifying the public? Uh, welcome. My name is Karen Hurd, and we are here to bring you the truth about the Virginia 2020 elections and beyond. Um, in this episode, uh, we are going to be talking with John LaRoe, who analyzed some of this data and will bring you his conclusions, or at least what the data seems to be pointing to. But this show is a production of the Virginia First Audit. We are a nonpartisan, citizen-led group whose mission is to get to the truth about our elections, protect citizen civil rights, and return the ownership of elections away from big corporate business back to we the people. And you can learn more about Virginia First Audit at virginiafirstaudit.com. So our guest today, again, is John LaRoe. He's Hi. a data, hey, John, he's a data analyst and uh, who started researching publicly available election data. So this isn't like secret squirrel stuff. If you know how to do data like John does, you can probably do it as well. Welcome, John. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your background. What uh, and what led you to kind of saying, I think I want to look at this. Sure. So uh, I have a bachelor's in electrical engineering. I have a master's in computer vision and acoustics. I'm a defense contractor in the northern Virginia area. Um, I do in my day job, I do a whole bunch of computational physics, pattern analysis, machine intelligence, artificial intelligence, wow. algorithms, et cetera. That's that's I mean what I do for daily work. So I have tons of computers and robots around the house. <laughs> Give the dog uh, robot. That's what I, I don't have know. a dog boat robot. I built that for one of my friend's kids, though. <laughs> um, so it but i mean you know like everybody else i was kind of just 2020 happened and i was interested in the election and i was following it and i was you know posting on facebook you know everybody you know had their popcorn and beer and we were watching the election as it as it was going i am a bit of a bit of a politics junkie so i was kind of watching through it and i was seeing you know the election returns like everybody else and everybody was talking about these kind of weird spikes and being a data guy, I was just like, okay, this this can't be that bad. I'm gonna go take a look at this. Let me just go pull up the data. Oh, look, there's this site. Here's the data from this county and this county. And I went to the New York Times Edison data feed, pulled the data, did some. And what is the New York Times Edison data feed? And so um, the Edison, I, I guess it's the Edison Corporation. Um, they're a media company, and and what they do is they do a lot of the um, exit polling, and all. All the big name, you know, media corporations use them. So all of the the Fox News data, the New York Times data, the any of the big media companies where you see the TV show where they've got like here's here's what the state is saying, et cetera, as far as the, the election returns. Most of them are grabbing that from Edison. I think there's one other uh, competitor. To okay. that. I don't remember the name of them. And that's that. publicly available data. If you know how it's, to get the I mean, feed, anybody can get. I mean, it. you can go to the New York Times, you know, website or CNN.com or, you know, Fox news, and they'll, they'll have their election tracker, you know, news feed. And if you just go to the URL, you can say, okay, well, let me just download instead of downloading the web page as a web page so that I can view it. If I download the web page as data, then I can just go process what's in that web page. Right. Okay. I mean, that's okay. So that's, that's how, how a lot of folks that are playing with this are getting that data. 
Yeah, and, and so I mean that was initially how I started looking at this. Is I was just like, well, let me go see what CNN is saying, and I like to do my own data analysis. So instead of using their graphics on the the web browser, I just downloaded the data from it and put it into my you know, spreadsheets and my uh, tools and took a look at some of the numbers. And some of them were kind of weird and wonky. And I was like, oh, let me go get more data. And you know the the cycle repeats, and you start going down that rabbit hole. Um, so what started happening is, is as you're looking at data, instead of kind of going, yeah, nothing to see here, it kept, sounds like- I, I started getting a little bit more curious and a little bit more curious and a little bit more curious because of some of the things that I was seeing. Um, now, and let me ask you, because um, I think a lot of folks are, are actually, the one good thing about all of this stuff is more citizens are engaged in elections, looking up election code, yeah. understanding what does a registrar do after yeah, all. Yeah, but what, is, what does the actual law How say? How is the sausage made? Yeah. Probably we're not liking what it looks like. Yeah, we. But um, the so help me out because I'm not I'm not a data person. I can't I can't look at stuff. How would you know? And you have got some slides. So guys, in a bit, we're going to be showing you what John has done, and we'll, we'll show you how to get a little bit more of his uh, detailed analysis. Uh, what would you have looked for and compared? So in other words, what were you comparing to say, this seems odd, this seems out of line, it should look more like... Well, at first, I was just like everybody else. I was just kind of looking at the plat plots and going, hey, why is there this big spike, right? Why is a big spike? Yeah, well, why is there this big spike? Or, you know, what what everybody else was reporting in the news and, you know, what everybody was complaining about is like, what, what's going on here? So like everybody else, I was looking at those and going, I don't understand this. Um, but being a data scientist and a, research, and a researcher, I started doing some some research as to, okay, what are, you know, you know, I know pattern recognition in general because that's what I do for, for work. So I'm very familiar with, you know, doing correlation analysis and that, that kind of thing. But I'm not, professionally an election researcher until you know a year and a half. How does it ago. get well we feel like <laughs> <Yeah>. people now. <laughs> yeah, I have pretty much become one now. Um but I wasn't at the time. So I, I went and I did some research and I looked up, you know, USAID is a organization that that helps elections in other, you know, countries. It helps them make sure that their elections are good. So I went to their website. I was downloading, you know, taking a look at their documentation. I looked at some of the the documentation that I would use as a, a pattern analysis researcher, right? So I went to uh, IEEE website, looked up some of their papers, um, SPIE, those types of organizations, which I use all the time in my daily work to go get, you know, research papers from universities looking at various different election feeds, etc. cetera. Uh, and I stumbled across uh, a paper uh, that was done by the National Academy of Sciences. And they had put together a pretty nice, compact way of just doing a, a very top level statistical look at elections to try and detect whether or not an election was anomalous or not anomalous. It doesn't tell you anything as to why, but it right. just tries to tell you this is either anomalous or it's not, not anomalous. So, they, so you were getting some, as you were downloading all this other documentation, a picture started to form of what, and when we, when I say organic, I'm, and that might not be the right term, we're referring to when real people vote in a pattern in a trend what does that look like and it should look about a certain way and you were yeah. seeing something so, very different so the paper that i had downloaded had a very and it was you know well sourced and well documented you know that the, the principles that the paper was operating on had been known you know known statistical theories for a long time like it wasn't you know something new and in, in off the wall it was just like oh yeah if you plot the histogram this way against this thing then it should be a, like a big circle 
right? And what's that the should... histogram for, for those viewers who... So uh, what the paper was, was presenting was that if you take the, um, if you make a two-dimensional picture, right, of the data, and you say, okay, on the x-axis, so on the horizontal axis, I'm going to take the uh, percent of the vote turnout for a given precinct or a given county or a given locality, whatever the, the granularity of the units that you're dealing with is, right? right. So some states only, only give you data at the county level, some give them at the precinct level. So kind of get whatever resolution you can get. And so on the x-axis, you say the percent turnout, right, for one of these precincts was, you know, 20% or, or whatever it was. So that tells you where you fall along this line, right? Right. And on the, the y-axis, you end up having the percent of the vote share that went to the winner. Right. So you're dealing in percentages. You're not dealing in absolute numbers. So you've you've already normalized based on population because you're dealing with percentages. So you have the, the percent of the vote share for the winner. So let's say Biden you know, Trump got 56 percent right in some precinct. And that would put you, you know, right about here on the y axis. Like kind of halfway up the y-axis. Kind of halfway up the y-axis, and the turnout was 70%, right? So we'd be here. Three quarters of the way down we'd be, on we'd the be axis. Three quarters axis. of the way, right? So you mm -hmm. put those two together and then you put a dot. Right okay, there, good. Right. Just like in just like in fifth grade math when we just like how in to fifth grade math. math. You, you, yep. you put the dot right there. And then you go to the next precinct, and the next precinct is a little bit different. And so you, you put the dot right there. And then you put another dot, yeah, right about there, right? Right. And so you build up this histogram of counts. So it's the number of hits in each of those 2D bins. And that gives you, um, by the law of large numbers, uh, you should end up with, if the data that you're pulling from is what they call you know, statistically independent, right? Okay. you should end up with a very nice blob. Let me put this over like here. A yeah, very, like a uh, circle? circle-ish right so it's not going to be a perfect circle but it's going to be circle-ish maybe an oval right okay. um and you're going to have a big hot spot of counts in the middle and then a little tail off on the ends and that distribution is called a gaussian distribution that's a very well-known distribution that that comes from you know counting theory and number theory right and it's used all the time in mathematics and artificial intelligence the gaussian distribution is you know one of the workhorses of much of pattern analysis and machine intelligence okay so this, this, what you're explaining to us, I'm just going to recap for just a second, if I may, what you're explaining to us is basically how a pattern is formed. Mm -hmm. And then this Gaussian and it's G-A-U-S-S-I-A-N for, because yep. some of these folks are listening on podcasts and they don't have the visuals. Um, that pattern is now becomes, if you will, the way something is measured in other in similar situations. Well, so a, a Gaussian distribution is is a, it's a mathematical shape of a statistics distribution, right? Okay. So you can have you can have different shapes. So if I've got a straight line that goes, you know, kind of up into the right, that's a linear distribution, right? If all the points are falling on that line from this probability distribution, then I would say that's a that's a linear function, right? Right. If if it's a parabolic function, right, then you would have the parabolic curve. Right? And a parabolic is like an upside down U. 
Or, or it can be a you or know, upside down or, 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 or a, right side. A, a right side up you, right? So like an it depends, end. Okay. depends on the negative sign, right? You know, right. If there's a negative sign, right? But those are just mathematical functions. So a Gaussian distribution is a Gaussian function, right? So a, a probability dis distribution that's obeying the shape of a Gaussian function. Okay. And the importance of that, and then let me know when you want us to get the slides. We'll show those up um, for those folks on the that are watching the view the viewer. Well, so the, the importance of that is that because of law of large numbers and kind of the, the properties of you know counting theory, et cetera, you would expect that if you had these uh, variables, you have the uh, percent of voter turnout and the percent vote share for the winner that you're plotting right. these together. They're not going to be perfectly independent variables. So you expect that you're going to have a little bit of correlation between the variables. Right. But it, given that you're sampling the state of Virginia or the state of Florida or, you know, a large enough sample, you should end up with a pretty general plot of that Gaussian distribution. Now it's going so to would it be helpful more. for me to go to the slide? Yeah. So if we, go, the footprints up. if we go on to the next slide, so, so that, that kind of gives you the, the background. So the first slide. What I need to do, folks, is re-upload <laughs> because I clicked the wrong one. So. Um, let me see. Hold on. Let's see. We're here. Yeah. We, okay. we, so this we, is the. Um, this is like from. We, you're talking about the footprint. The yeah. Gauss so footprint. this is this is this is where I started historically, just kind of looking at this data. So this is actually a graph that it's extracted from the paper, um, and I give the references on my website, and I've got sure. Some, and yeah. we'll and we'll we'll post that link in the show notes for you. So uh, so this paper, what they had done is they had looked at a number of different elections that were kind of internationally renowned for how bad they were, as well as a control election. And so uh, they used Switzerland as their control, which is the bottom row that you're looking at. And then they had uh, Uganda and two different Russian elections that pretty much everybody was sure had a whole bunch of corruption, right? Mm -hmm. Had a whole bunch of issues with those, those elections. And so on the bottom row, what you see is um, the actual data is on the left-hand column of the bottom row. And it's not a perfect circle, but it's kind of it's an still oblong. A cluster. It's still it, a, it's cluster a cluster, together. right? It, 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 it's a cluster. It's kind of, it's pretty compact, right? There's mm -hmm. a little bit of blurring and a little bit of salt and pepper noise on it at the bottom. It's a little stretched for vertically, but it's, it's a pretty compact distribution. Mm -hmm. And that's what the theory would, would suggest is that if you had a, a pretty fair and, and honest election, you should have something like this that shows up in the in what what I'm calling the election fingerprint. Um, I think they the use way to it, describe it. Yeah, I think they use a different term in, in the paper. Um, but it's it's basically it's a, a fingerprint of an election. It's, it's you're trying mm -hmm. to, to to map out what did this election look like in data, right? Right. Um, and then the researchers also did a model fit to this uh, the data that they got. That's and then they column. and that's the middle column, right? And then they they did two actually two different models. They did one model assuming that you know the data had some fraud in it, right? Which in Switzerland it didn't. So the the two different models on the on the middle and the right hand side look the same for Switzerland. <laughs> but if you look at uh, the above above that, you've got uh, Uganda, Russia in twelve, and Russia in eleven, and you can see that you know. The model on the far right hand side is what it should have looked like if it was a fair election 
And the model in the middle is what it looks like with their parametric modeling of fraud mechanisms. And on the, the far left is the actual data. It looks like, and actually the Russia 11 and 12 almost look like a comet with a tail. They, they almost look and like Uganda a comet looks like tail. a spray paint with overspray on it. Like it didn't. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there's, again, these are, these are statistical techniques. So they're not going to tell you exactly how these things happen, but you could draw some conclusions from these types of shapes. So that, that comet look, right. Where you've got this streak that is going up uh, in one direction. Um, that can come about if there is a very, very strong correlation between the percent turnout and the percent vote share for the winner. One way that that can happen is that for every voter that shows up at the polls, somebody puts two votes in for the other guy. Ah, there you go. That okay. would be a very strong linear correlation, and that would cause that streak, right? Now, it okay. could happen for other reasons, theoretically, but that's a pretty good one. Right. That's a pretty right. good explanation of that. Um, you also have, uh, like in the Russia 11, you see this big bright dot up in the upper right corner. Yeah. Where you've got 100% turnout and 100% voted for, for the winner. That's an that, amazing civic engagement. Yeah, that, that's an amazing civic civically minded population because that just <laughs> doesn't happen. Right? Doesn't happen. It, it's, that's just not reality in mm -mm. that case. Mm -mm. Right. So, In fact, so I almost wonder when, we, when they say we have like a... 75% and 80% turnout. When I look at in Virginia's 2020 election, it was almost 50% absentee, mm -hmm. which, which even given everything that was going on, that's well, it, still outrageously high. It, it, um, it is, it is very high for the historical things, but I, I don't think that that's something that I think there's too much mud in the water to really draw a conclusion from that because you had COVID, you had all of these things going on. You had, you know, so I don't know that that's necessarily a strong right. uh, indicator of something, right? Uh, right, as far right, as right. It just was one of the one of the nice things about this method is that mm -hmm. because you're dealing with percentages on each axis, you're you're normalizing for a lot of those uh, those issues, those kind kinds of, of issues off okay. the bat, right? Mm -hmm. So, anyway, this was kind of the first thing that I did. So, if you go. Uh, this is the slide. So this is what Virginia 2020 looked like as an election fingerprint. That looks kind of weird. <laughs> so the first it time it looks like the uh, somebody started to do a spray paint and just kind of went out. It, yeah. Or, I mean, you can think of it as like, like an amoeba two little boomerangs, you know, on top of each other. Like it, here's the boomerang and there's the boomerang. Yeah. It, it looks weird. Right. Mm -hmm. It does not look like the USAID papers, all the election integrity research, all the statistics would suggest that you should find. Um, and like the, the paper that I was taking this method from, in the bottom left-hand corner, there's kind of my estimate as to what an ideal Virginia election, according to this model, should look like. Be a lot more blobular and a lot more right. compact, right? And not have these boomerang patterns. But it, it wouldn't be a perfect uh, circle, it, but it, it would... Be a lot more compact right it would actually look more like the switzerland one which was a little bit more oblong yeah we would hope it but, would look something like scattered all over right this this the, the the plots that we were getting from this just are banana pants like they don't make any sense so 
I started doing these analyses for, for New York, for Virginia, for, for all the different states. And at first I was using the New York Times Edison data feed and I started doing that. Um, and then as I got more, uh, more knowledge as to where to go, go to get data, I was able to go to like the Department of Elections websites for the various states and I would redo the analysis and try and make sure that it worked. But no, the, this, it looks that bad. Um, so why don't we good. go to the, um, the slide where you've got the data where we can show people kind of the, the very first one? Yeah, sure. Sorry, I, I know we skipped ahead. We, and turn we, out skip, we, talk, <laughs> we skipped ahead in the conversation. So. That's okay. Uh, but, I, but I think that that's helpful. So that's one of the things John was looking at was trying to make a picture, instead of just looking at numbers, trying to make a picture of what it looks like, right? Kind of, that's kind of what you do with the bar graph, only this is different. But I think we all understand bar graphs are a way, or a pie chart is a way to make a picture of numbers. The, the Gaussian, the fingerprint type thing he just showed us, was a way to make a picture with the numbers so you can look at it differently. Yeah, it, and but to, you've got here. For, for me as a data scientist, that picture, right? So I have a reference in my head knowing what a Gaussian, a two-dimensional Gaussian should look like. When that boomerang pattern pops up, my eyes popped out of my head and I went, this cannot be correct. Like there's, there's gotta be something more here. So then I did more digging and more digging and more digging. And that, you know, started the ball rolling. Um, so this slide that we're looking at right here, uh, let's see. So this is probably August of 21 was when I okay. kind of stumbled across this. So I've, you know, basically since the day after, you know, November, 2020, I had been kind of working on this stuff in my free time. And I've, I've got a blog that I would post stuff to and I would put it on my Facebook. Um, and so I had gotten to the point where I was really pulling uh, a large amount of data. I had done some reference stuff and I was double checking some of my numbers. And I went to the Virginia Department of Elections website. And if you notice, so this is their official page that says these are the official, you know, summary of uh, Virginia registration turnout statistics. These are the official results. And that's underlined in red uh, on this graph, right? And if you notice, they've got every year as a row and they say for this year this is how many people voted and this is what the turnout was this is what the registration was and so that's this much percent and they've got that for 2020 they've got it for 20 you know 2019 2018 etc when you take a look at the percentages that they had computed the percentages for 2018 2019 2017 all the previous years when you take those two columns and you divide them by each other and you multiply it by 100 you, you get the same answer within you know machine precision and it looks machine fine. Per precision is 0.1 percent no machine precision is is very precise so okay uh, so, so more so exact than that it depends on how you know how many digits are in your calculator right okay that's, that's, that's your machine precision right yeah. so if you've got an eight bit calculator then you're going to be able to get down you know you're going to have eight okay. bits of precision uh, so but I mean, we've got, you know, they are exactly matching whatever those, those numbers are as you divide them through, um, except for 2020. If you, if you actually take a pocket calculator and you do the division, you can very easily tell that their 86% number that they've got on this official election results page from the Virginia Department of Elections that had been sitting on their website for a year almost, because this was in August when I was doing this, um, it's way off way off <laughs> mm -hmm. the actual number if you do the division is 75 percent 
they had been telling everybody that it had been 86% for almost a year. Now, that doesn't sound that bad because you can say, okay, well, they made a fat finger error. But if these are the official results for the state of Virginia, right, people in political science degrees, grad school, et cetera, they go to these websites. This is what people are, you know, they're going to make their thesis on what happened in Virginia in 2020, right, or, or something along those lines. It's important that this data be accurate and be correct. And if well, error- and, and it begs the question, John, looking at the chart here, you see 2013 up to 2019. And if you do the real basic math that really anybody who knows how to divide with the calculator can do, right? So this, yeah. this piece isn't complicated. The numbers work out. So dividing the total, the um, total registered uh, by the total voting gives you the percent turnout. Uh, you flip that around. Other around. Yeah, other way around. But so the so, total, yeah, you take total number of voters divided by the total number of registered voters that gives you a percentage of turnout. And every column on this chart, 2013 to 2019, you get the answer within a small percentage, which just could be the number of digits on the calculator, right? Yeah. But it's essentially correct. But yet somehow in 2020, not only is there a massive jump over 2019 and a pretty significant jump over 2016, which was the last presidential election, Right, 2017 was the gubernatorial. Their number is wrong. Their basic fifth grade math number is is not just wrong, way very wrong. wrong. Right, it's it's very very wrong. Like it it equates to you know if you, if you take the difference in those percentages, right, the 86 percent which they were saying versus the 75, which is what you actually get when you divide it out, it's somewhere near you know 380 something thousand ballots. That's a huge number. Now that in Virginia, Virginia went went pretty blue. So I don't think that was enough margin to you know call anything into question. But still, that's a huge number. And this is just a very, very simple piece of math. And it's on their official results page. So right. And it says here that these numbers, for those of you, because you might not be able to see this on your screen, and I know if you're on the podcast, you can't read it. It says <laughs> that the Department of Elections only publishes the turnout statistics for November elections and turnout figures after the election is certified, which is where we get the question, what numbers did they certify? Yes. So it's not always my... about the outcome per se. That's And then I know that in the um, audit movement and the election integrity movement, whatever you want to call it, it's like, well, if it doesn't change the outcome, that it's what you're saying, John, that's not the point. Yeah, the, the point is not what the outcome is. The point is, how did they get their answer, right? So so after I started doing the election fingerprint stuff, I was trying to figure out, okay, well, let me go back and get better data. Let me go to the Department of Elections. Let me get the authoritative source of the data. And then I started looking at the data, and I was finding things like this. And this isn't the only one. It's just a very clear-cut one that's very easy to kind of put on a, on a on a podcast, right? There's there's some other ones that'll that'll, you know, blow steam out your ears where you're just like, I can't believe that they did that. Right. Uh, and it's clear that they were correct all the other years. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like they suddenly forgot how to divide, right? Like <laughs> what happened here? What, what was the issue, right? Or what was the combination of issues that led to this? So I, I posted on Twitter, I posted on Facebook and I, I tagged specifically the Virginia department of elections. And I said, Hey, please explain this. 
How did you get this wrong number in the first place? Why did it sit there for almost a year on the official results page uh, until you know I am pointing it out now? Uh, what are you going to do? You know what procedures and you know failures happen to make that wrong number, and how are you going to fix that in the future? So that's a very very reasonable ask to ask the people who their sole job is to verify and validate our elections. Like their job is to do that 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 addition and, and division to make these numbers accurate. That's what the Department of Elections is for. So I had posted, you know, I did a, a number of posts on it, kind of poking them and trying to say, hey, give me a response here. They never gave me a response. But what they did do is kind of in the middle of the night on September 10th, 9th, somewhere around that time, I don't know exactly when, um, they updated their webpage to the number that I had presented to them. There was no public announcement there was no you know press release that says hey we made a mistake you know which if you no errata statement yeah an errata statement of hey this is what caused it here you know oh it was you know judy over in finance you know she had a fat finger you know had a bad like even just some sort of story would have been appropriate to try and say hey this is this is where this came from right there was nothing it was radio silence they changed it in the middle of the night and then they tried to pretend that it didn't happen so, wow, that's crazy. So that to me is extremely maddening. And that's not the only example, but it is a very, very clear example. The, the, when I started digging into the data and the administration of that data and how our, our representatives and the people that we hire at the Department of Elections, all of these issues may have started out being innocent enough where they were just fat finger mm -hmm. errors or whatever. The problem comes in in when they don't acknowledge their error and they try and cover up or hide or obfuscate or say, oh, no, 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 everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Obviously, everything isn't fine, right? Because there are errors like this, because we have, uh, you know, if there's errors like this, then some of the data that I was using to build those fingerprints is probably suspect too, right? So now- It goes right down the line. And it goes right down the line, right? You, you go right down the line and you say, okay, well, if that was wrong, then what else was wrong, right? If so I'm trying to actually go figure out what's going on here, you need to address these things. Now, I'm gonna before we jump over to 2021, because this pattern continued. Um, mm -hmm. So for the citizen, when we're talking about audits, when we're talking about investigations, when we're talking about the election code, which actually has criminal penalties, for neglect, which means so, oops, happened on my watch, so, and deliberate willful neglect, which is I did it on purpose. Yeah. So that in, in this mm -hmm. case, so I have gotten I started off think trying to give you know lots of benefit of the doubt and everything. At this point, the the egregious amount of bad practices, bad administration, mm -hmm. bad data hygiene that the Department of Elections is doing to me constitutes criminal negligence like criminal gross negligence on their part and if it's if the head of you know the department doesn't know that this is this bad and that, you know the fact that chris piper and, and his team have been saying no there's no issues you know like he's been on record repeatedly saying no no our elections are fine right trying to reassure people when there are these issues like these right. are and this, serious this is issues. not the only one in your report no. you say that there are numeral uh, clear num numerical errors and inconsistencies, plural, 
there's the deletion of precinct registration yes. records from the data archive. Yes. There's election fingerprints, which we just addressed uh, quite in depth at the beginning of this episode, uh, per the congressional district that don't match the expected fingerprint of a free and fair election, um, and that the use of virtual absentee ballot collection in county precincts uh, makes it impossible to directly account for in-person votes. So it's not that there's this one division goof up that they made for whatever reason. We're not discussing motive here. You may supply your own. Yeah, um, <laughs> you, you may supply your own motive, you know, however, whatever you want. Like, I'm, I'm not presuming any sort of motive to this. Like, it could all just be fat finger errors. I actually think that's worse than finding, you know, a man behind. That's clumsy. Yeah, I, I think it's worse. Like, I would be actually happier if there was some, you know, man behind the curtain cackling maniacally uh, trying to do some sort of fraud, right? Because then, theoretically, you could catch them and then right, you know, right. arrest them. Right, right. That's what we them. call. Um, you could catch them, arrest them, punish the them, and then the rest of the, the system is fine. Yeah, and then the rest of the system is fine, right? And and that would be great. And then all everything would be could, all hunky dory, and we'd, we'd be okay. And what we I don't know worse. how systemic this is. These are my questions. Yeah. We don't know how systemic this is, right? We don't know what changed between 2019 and 2020. Um, we don't know. Um, is this because races were adjusted or manipulated or wrongly? I mean, in theory, or is it, is it these machines are supposed to be training? perfect and how they count, yeah, right? Is, is it bad training on the part of, you know, people who are putting together these reports? Is it like, what is it? What's the what cost? if decisions were made? This is where it comes down to me and like, like rubber meets the road. What if decisions were made in terms of who was assigned the victory or the loss? And it was based on error. And we have people in office that shouldn't be there making decisions that are hurting Virginians. It, and that's a very, very real potential consequence of this, right? And, and we don't when, know. We don't know. And when we've spoken to attorneys, they say, well, there's no prosecutorial path forward. I'm like, but there's criminal penalties. So if there's criminal penalties for even neglect, like if you make a mistake and you catch it, that's not neglect. Being checked it, out and mistakes happen because you run a sloppy office, that's neglect. Yeah, I mean, I'm using an extreme example just for the purpose of an example. Um, an innocent mistake is fine. It's when you start knowing about those mistakes and ignoring them and being like, yeah, we'll get to that later. Or That's correcting them in the middle of the night, which is what makes people not trust the system. Because if, an, if a newspaper or any kind of a journalism outlet makes an error... You do this on your blog, and I'm not saying you had an error, but when you update, I've had plenty of errors, and I yeah, I but you, you update, you tell people what you updated, and yeah, you link I, to I the old ones so they can on my see blog, it. and I, I do a red line through through them and say I changed this because I had this conversation with this registrar, and like I right. leave all the errors there because I want them to be able to see my work. But this Virginia Department of Elections not only didn't address it, they just went and silently changed it now you might think we're making a mountain out of a molehill but lives lives are affected by these things this doesn't just happen in some kind of academic exercise and there's no impact there is real impact on the everyday life of virginians and the problem is because there we have a lot of murkiness built in 
mean, ballot harvesting is legal in Virginia. Just in case, you know, your friends and maybe some relatives can't get to the polls. I mean, think about that for just a minute. There are things built into our code. You don't have to have a picture ID. So you could just get anybody's utility bill and say, yep, that's me. Yeah, the, 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 even if the sloppiness, uh, so so there's sloppiness in how they're, they're accounting for the data. There's also sloppiness in how they're actually administering the data files. So one of the things that you mentioned was that I've, I've busted them going back to what's supposed to be public record archive data files from past elections and modifying the content of those data files without any sort of public, you know, public notice or anything like that and deleting data from them. Cause I have snapshots of those data files that I timestamp. And then I went back later and I got a fresh snapshot of it and I compared the two. It's supposed to be, the public record and you know the official data file and they're not big changes but they are changes and that is just if i were to do that in my private business if if i was to do that with my financial documents or you were to do that we'd be arrested and thrown in jail for fraud if your bank did it to your your, bank account if your bank did if your bank comes to you and says you owe us a thousand dollars for your credit card this month and you say great can you give me my itemized receipt and you take the itemized receipt and you add it up and it's only 800 you're going to go what the hell <laughs> <laughs> that's right so let's talk um a little bit uh because i i don't want people to be frustrated like well what does all this mean it not only means we need to monitor more carefully which we are doing and that's one of the things that we do at virginia first audit but it also means that there need to be changes and we need to always keep our own data, just like you keep your receipts to check against the credit card company. Why? Because there could be error. Nothing's yeah. perfect. We need to, as citizens, really not just trust the election system anymore. We it's it's our election. It's our election. We need to be actively involved. I'm going to now jump to the slides that talk about 2021. Okay. Because it shows um an issue and i'm going to go back and forth and those of you watching us yeah let me let me uh, let me set, let me set this, this is up five, a little bit. Six, five, yeah. six. let me let me set this up a little bit here so in 2020 like most other people i was getting you know i went to the polls and then i went home and i you know watched the the, the cnn news and i was paying attention to it and then i was like oh man that, that's weird and i started paying attention in 2021 mm-hmm. i had some you know forethought and, and i had the ability to actually go collect data ahead of time so I teamed up with uh, the Virginia Project, and we actually got. And so I was working in conjunction with them and the RNC in, in Virginia to try and monitor the what's called the daily absentee list, to monitor that file, which is really a record of all of the absentee ballots in the early vote in the 45-day early voting period, um, and kind of what happened to them, what's their status, et cetera. And so I was monitoring that on a daily basis and I was giving updates to RNC and to Virginia Project. But I was also watching for what's going on with this data, because the data that I had seen previously from 2020 on their website hadn't made much sense. There were so many holes and gaps and and things that should match that didn't match that I needed to get a better look under the hood to see how the sausage was made and to try and take a look at things. So what you're looking at here is really the contents of one snapshot of the daily absentee list file. And the important curve to look at here, uh, so on the, the x-axis, on the, on the horizontal axis, is the date 
that the event happened according to the daily absentee list file, right? And what that event is, is a person walking into an early voting in-person uh, precinct, checking into a poll book, and then going and voting on machine. So the DAO file doesn't give you the actual votes. It's it's related to the poll books. When somebody checks into a poll book, right? Or when somebody mails out a, an absentee ballot or it's, it's received by the registrar, et cetera. So the purple curve is that curve for people who walked in physically, in person, handed somebody a, you know, a, a check-in, an ID or whatever, and checked into a poll book, and then they got handed the ballot, and then mm -hmm. they went and they voted on machine, right? And so that's what that file is showing us and what that curve is showing us is that since the beginning of the early voting period, which is kind of in the lower left there, we've had successive successively more and more people have been showing up at these early voting sites. And as we get closer to election day, we get more and more of them, which is why that curve has a very, very sharp curve on it. Makes perfect sense. You would expect that. This is the early voting you know, period, right? The next day, I downloaded the file again. So if you go onto the next screen, watch that purple curve. It jumped. It jumped. But there should be no in-person early voting on the day of election. Well, no. So, so that's that's actually not the issue here. The issue here is that that jump that happened happened right in the middle, right you know around October fifteenth. Okay, I'm sorry. That okay, file was okay. Yeah, that that file was dated November fifth. So on November fourth, so if you go back a slide, right? On November fourth, the da daily absentee list file, right? The purple curve, which should account for all of the people that have walked into early voting precincts and voted in person. And there's no more early voting because the last day to early vote was October 30th. So the daily updating absentee list should have been static for that purple curve for at mm -hmm. least a few days. It shouldn't be getting any more updates. The other curves can have updates because they're dealing with absentee ballots that are still post postmarked, et cetera. Um, but the purple curve should stay identical after the close of, of the early voting sites on October 30th. So on November 4th, we get an update of the daily absentee list. And then on November 5th, we get a new update of the daily absentee list. And there, there's this brand new chunk of a few thousand ballots that are being attributed to people walking in, in person, to a early voting site on October 15th. That and doesn't make any sense. It's almost five days later. You said October 15th. October 15th. Okay, so, so what, what you're saying is, is uh, in theory, if I'm under, if I'm recapping this properly, which so he'll correct me if I don't, we've got about a two-week period. So if there was going to be any more, they would have already been accounted for. Well, yeah. So so the daily absentee have the jump. The daily absentee list is related to the poll books and. Like its name implies, it's a daily product. It's a daily report that is put out by the Department of Elections. So when I pull the latest version of the daily absentee, absentee list on Tuesday, right, that's going to have everything that happened from Monday backwards, right, for the election. And when I go on Wednesday, I'm going to have everything that happened from Monday backwards, plus whatever happened on Tuesday. And then when I go on Thursday, I'm going to have everything that happened up to Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, and that should all be in the file as well, right? So it's this accumulating data file, right? And it happens daily. It's it's synced to the poll books. 
most of it most of the additions to it are automated they, they happen automatically um especially for the in-person uh voting uh, or in-person early voting so there's no reason that the october 15th data should be showing up on november 5th there, there's absolutely no justifiable reason for that in any way shape or form um you know i talked to registrars about it and nobody could, could come up with it so and the thing is is these aren't happening from electronic poll books these are happening from the electronic poll books hmm. so. which aren't connected to the internet <clears throat> no the, the poll books are and they, they, the are. Yeah, are not. they are right? they're not the supposed book, to be well, no, the poll books are actually supposed to be connected to the internet. So the, what they did is they, they set up this network of poll books. So it used to be the poll books were a paper ledger yep. that you would sign your name and you would sign in. So the, um, when you sign into those poll books, uh, right now they've got them now on laptops. And so those laptops are communicating with each other, which is communicating with a you know web server someplace to go say, John Smith walked in and actually, you know, this. Hold on for just one second. Cast a vote. So uh, we need to to wrap up. And so, what would your um, <clears throat> if you're going to recap all of this in maybe a sentence or two? Um, and I know it, it, it can be difficult, but if you could do that, what is the upshot for you? What is the upshot for me? I want our elections to be you know free and fair and, and transparent. <laughs> that, that's that's what I want out of this. You okay. Know, and right now. We don't know about the transparent part. The the transparent part is the problem. It's, the it's hard enough to get the data. Um, you know, actually getting to the meat of what's going on with with our data is there's a lot of hoops that you've got to jump through to do it, and that's problematic. Uh, we also have the issue where we've got you know a lot of messaging of people saying no 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 there's no problem this isn't an issue. Well no it is a problem. Like these are serious issues that like we need answers for. We the public need to know that our elected officials and our you know representatives and the people who work in the Department of Elections are doing their job, and we need to know that they're doing it properly. And the only right, way because, we can know that, go on, is is being able to take a look at the data and go verify it for ourselves and say, yep, yep, that looks good. It's, your answers over there match your answers over here. We checked your math. You're good. You know. Yeah, absolutely. To to that point. Because, and, and John, we want to thank you so much for your time and for really all the extra weekend work and and after work work yeah. that, that you did in this, because this is a huge service, not only to the Commonwealth, but to your country, because well, as so a constitutional republic, the peaceful transfer of power, the ability to elect our own representatives, because downstream from that are all the appointments or all the policies and regulations, or all these other things. And here in Virginia, we elect our delegates, we elect a few other constitutional officers, and everybody else, we elect our, our governor and so forth. Everything else is appointed. Yeah. Everything else is appointed. That's a whole other discussion for another day. So but real quick, real quickly. If, yeah, if we can't uh, trust that, because we can't trust the data, and at least big questions, and they're not saying, oops, we see what happened, it was the O-ring, referring back to the space shuttle thing it's it, there's one issue with them being able to to do the math right do the division right 
right? There's another issue of, of just public transparency, right? Right. Public means if you made a mistake, you need to admit that you made a mistake and we need to understand why. And that way we can have a discussion with our legislatures as to how do we make sure that this doesn't happen again, right? Good civic policy. Right. Uh, so that's an issue. The other thing that I would mention is that I've been on a push lately to try and convince, uh, you know, the RNC and, you know, many of the other political organizations have done uh, a much better job in the last couple of years of trying to get physical poll watchers and election officers and that kind of stuff, which is great. And that's good. And those are very, very important roles. Yes, they are. But we also need teams of people watching the data. Yes. We need digital poll watchers. Like we, we need people with IT expertise, programming experience, right? Just going out and volunteering and being, you know, digital poll watchers. So they've got just like the real poll watchers where they've got the cell phone that says, okay, if you see anything. It's called the redundancy. Call, it's called right? a backup, right? Yes. So, so that's been my big push is we need to get teams of people and it doesn't have to be, you know, tightly organized. It can be just people going out and being digital poll watchers with the data. I, I don't see, I think that's people. a phenomenal idea, digital poll watching, um, because we have a digital system, right? Yeah. So it, listen, it, I'm going to- It only stays in the analog up. ballot for a couple minutes. Pardon? <laughs> it only stays in the analog ballot for a few minutes when you fill it out right before you And then it becomes a great big yeah. bite of information. So John, thank you again for explaining some of this for us. I hope all of you feel a little bit more empowered in understanding the election data. One of the purposes of this program is to empower you, me, us, the average citizen who doesn't do what John does for a living and live in the IT world. Maybe you're not a political person, but these elections are your voice. They're my voice, they're John's voice, they're the voice of all of us, and they need to be free, fair, transparent, and accurate and recorded, duly recorded, uh, according to the intent of every lawful voter. So I want to thank you again for being yeah. a part of this, for all of the work that you've done. Folks, when we're coming back next time, uh, we'll be talking a little bit more about how these elections and their lack of transparency are affecting your everyday life. Thank you so much. Bye well, now.